0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Corporate Quitters Podcast. This week, we are joined by Joe Irvin. She is a culture consultant. She's going to talk to us about how to connect your actions to your values. Take a listen, guys. This is another great one. Joe's a great guest, and we had a lot of fun. All right, folks, today we have with us Amanda Joe Irvin. Amanda Joe, tell everybody who you are and what you do.
1: Hi, Robert. Thank you for having me. Uh, I go by Joe, first of all. So if you see me or uh, or me refer to myself as Joe, uh, I have my own business that I started about three years ago called Audit Consulting Education LLC. I call it ACE for short. But my son asked me why I named my company after a hardware store. So uh, you can call it what you want. But those are the wings of my business. I have audit. I do internal audit strategy work. I do consulting. I call myself a culture consultant. uh, So we can talk about what that means. Uh, And I do education. I'm a higher ed professor. It's one of my passions is to teach, train, uh, which is why I'm a NASBA CPE professor provider. So those are those are kind of my three wings of my business.
0: And so now you have multiple wings in your business. Talk to us a little bit about the importance of diversifying your business.
1: Ah, that's that's one of those things that nobody tells you is a really good thing to do. But you learn really quickly when you go out on your own. Uh, Not everything works all the time. Had I put all my eggs into traveling and speaking and training, look what would have happened to me in the last year. Uh, so luckily, I diversified right from the start and decided I wanted to be at home, maybe in my pajamas, giving CPE webinars. So I actually got certified right off the bat in both group group live and group internet based. So I always say I was ahead of the game before uh, the pandemic hit and everybody had to learn Zoom and other virtual platforms uh, But but that's just one example, right? I think, um, you know, when you go out on your own learning that uh, you've got to diversify, you've got to get income from passive and active sources. All of those things are, are things you learn o- along the way, which I certainly did. So, uh, but it's been able to Uh, really replace my internal audit director income within three years. So obviously diversifying is a good way to go.
0: Yes, it is. Your business, you have a purpose for being in business. What is your purpose?
1: I say, you know, a few things. I've got a mission statement on my website that essentially is good things come to those who wait, but don't. You deserve better than good. You know, when I went out on my own, I, I wanted people to realize that they could make choices in their lives to go different directions. I think we're all the sum of our choices. Uh, and I think the choices that we make today really, really impact our future. And um, so that's, that's one, one thing I, I tell people all the time is that good isn't good enough for you. Uh, and don't stick around. Don't stay somewhere where it's just plain good or good enough. Um, And the second thing that's on my website is that I'm here to change the perception of change, uh, meaning that we need to embrace it. We need to uh, make those choices that are better for ourselves. And, you know, that's what I did when I quit, when I said, oh, quit and quit corporate America. And I know we'll get to that. But, um, you know, change is scary, but it's not a bad thing. And that's what I really like to influence people about.
0: Yeah. And a lot of people are afraid of change because it brings uncertainty, but I mean, you, you got to step out. Sometimes you're stepping out on faith. Sometimes you're stepping out on facts and sometimes on both. Right. So I got my, lost my whole train of thought there.
1: <laughs> That's not a bad thing.
0: No, I know it, it happens to me more than most because I have so much swirling around in my head. After experiencing one of the many levels of your business, what do you really want people to walk away with?
1: Well, my main... Focus and I said I was a culture consultant, so let's start there. Uh, is ethics and influencing people's ethics, and what I mean by that is also on the front page of my website because I want people to know what does that mean. I want to connect people's actions to their values. So I, you know, it's not A to Z for me; it's A to V, actions to values, because I think there's a lot of people walking around out there uh, that that say they have these great ethical values and integrity and character, but their actions aren't speaking that. So, you know, that's what I want to connect the dots for people. Uh, I, I teach and train number one on ethics. That's my, that's my passion. That's what I love to do. Uh, and I'd say that's my most popular program, even though I love teaching and training internal auditors to, uh, I, I focus on how they can look at ethics in their organization and how they can question their own personal ethics and make sure they're the ethical auditor, which I write about in one of my books. So um, I'd say really that is my, if, if I had to put one goal on my entire business, it would be to influence uh, the ethics and culture around all of us.
0: You know, and I, I think ethics is extremely important, especially connecting it to values. That's, It's not something that I personally teach, but it's something that I believe because I think the world that we live in now is uh, more of a view based society than a value based. And I think there's a difference between a view and a value. Values, they don't change. Views change over time. And I tell people all the time when I was young, I didn't like tomatoes didn't really like ketchup either. Now that I'm older, I like tomatoes and I like ketchup. My taste buds have changed. That's like a view. It changes over time, but your values, they just don't change. So I think that's extremely important. Now, I find that when people are passionate about something and when someone has found their purpose, it's because they've experienced something that has led them to their purpose. I don't think A lot of people say you're born with purpose. I don't think so. I think you find your purpose when you're on your journey in life because it leads you in many different ways. So talk to us about how you found your purpose and how you came to be where you are now.
1: Sure. I think you're exactly right. I think that sometimes we learn uh, by seeing things done wrong. And that can be our own mistakes and that can be others' mistakes. Um, I will tell you that I've learned leadership by watching a leader uh, do what you shouldn't do. And, and so I think, um, you know, you can either have great mentors in your life and great leaders that show you the way, or you can have the opposite path. And I think what I challenge people to do is no matter which path you've been on to embrace that and learn from it. Uh, and I think you're exactly right. The, the aha moment for me, on how important ethics and values were in my life was when I noticed that they weren't the same as those around me. They mm. weren't the same as those around me at my organization. And I don't think I knew it was my passion, although I have been a tattletale since birth. So I I, I literally call myself a really short whistleblower in my presentations because I have been a tattletale since birth. Uh, so I think there's always been that passion for ethics and telling the truth and, and honesty. But it really stuck out to me when I saw, uh, it, you know, some particular people not showing those values in their work. And that was that was my moment of this is where I want to go. I, I need to share my passion for this with others uh, and try to influence. That's that's kind of my word influence.
0: So you spent <laughs> several years in corporate America climbing the corporate ladder and, and you've seen a lot. And yeah, that went to shape who you are and, and what you've become based on some of those valuable experiences. You know, I think I think you hit a good point, though. Uh, when we have good leaders, we learn from them. But when we have bad leaders, we also learn from them as well.
1: Sometimes more. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: Well, and, and some people, though, take it the wrong way and they get bitter from bad experiences instead of getting better. And I, I think that's unfortunate because everything can shape who you are and, and help you become a better person. Right. So now, yeah, let's, let's talk about that moment. What was that moment you just said, oh, quit? Like you're in the workplace and you're like, nope, this is it for me.
1: Um, there's, there's lots of history there and I don't wanna bore you or your listeners, but I um, I found out about four years ago uh, that I am BRCA1 positive. If you, got, if you don't know what that is, it's positive for the breast and ovarian cancer gene mutation. I have some family history, Um, have lost some family members to cancer. Uh, And when I found out I had the the gene, I decided to have preventative surgeries. So I had a full hysterectomy, a double mastectomy. I actually had six surgeries within 22 months. And um, you think that you're making the best proactive, that's one of my other favorite words, proactive health and life choices for yourself. And you think automatically everyone's gonna support you in those decisions and uh then i realized in corporate america that uh i think it, it's it's kind of the way people put it you're just a number right mm-hmm. and and uh you you realize how um you know something you find very valuable for yourself might uh not be valuable to them at the moment right when you work for an organization where it's profits over purpose uh you realize really quickly um, you know they're they're looking for what's best for them, not what's best for you. And uh, unfortunately, I I'd say my oh quit moment would be when when my boss and I'm going to call her a boss for a reason. I think that's something also to mention to your to your listeners. There's a difference between a boss and a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, when my boss uh, kind of threw those those health choices that I've made back into my face uh, in a very inappropriate way. Um, I decided that that was just not somebody who had the same values as me, who wasn't um, supporting my choices, and I needed to, to essentially move on. Um, and I will say this is, this is someone who, um, there's lots of other reasons, other things that go into these things, right, that happen. This was the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, but, you know, bottom line is sometimes when you get too good at your job, people get threatened and they look for ways to put you down. And that's why I call this certain person, a boss and not a leader, because we know from experience, that's not what a leader does. They, they pull you up. They want you to be better than they are. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so that was, that was, I'd say, you know, it, it, it's sad to me that one person could impact, but I'm also very thankful that, that only one person gave me that experience because to me, my experience at this organization for 10 years was very positive outside of that. Uh, So, you know, I'm really glad that I, I'm able to attribute my Oh quit moment to one, one thing or even one individual. So that's kind of the positive of my story, I think.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. That is a a very positive uh, uh, outcome. Uh, I've talked to a few people who have gone through several different organizations and people where they've experienced some pretty bad and sad things. So, just having one person, although one is still wrong, um, that's better than what we've it, heard from some it other is. folks. It
1: is. It is. But I, you know, I think my main point is, you know, with my, with my motto, you know, good things come to those who wait, but don't you deserve better than good? I was good where I was at. You know, I was still internal audit director working as you say, climbing that corporate ladder and pretty quickly over the 10 years I was at that organization. um, But I wasn't going to settle for good anymore. And I think that's what I realized that, um, you know, for years, I was just good. And when did I get better and more challenged? And, um, you know, when was it going to be great? And that's what I was looking for. And I think, um, you know, again, it comes back to don't settle, even if it's just one person, don't settle. There is some place out there uh, where you're going to find your, your, your match, your values match those you're working with, which is where I am today. So,
0: and so when you had this experience and you decided to leave, what pulled at you and made you say, I don't want to go work for anyone else. I want to work for myself.
1: You know, I think it goes back to, I've always had this passion for being a leader, And, you know, right down to I built a leadership philosophy and, you know, made sure any of my internal audit staff working for me knew what that was. And they held me to it. They held me accountable to it. Um, I had this passion to be a leader and I wanted to do it and impact as many people as I possibly could. So this sounds crazy, but I I feel like I went backwards in my career. You know, we started in in big four accounting where we got to go to lots of different clients and meet all these different people. And you know what? I'm going to be honest. 17 years ago, I hated that. I wanted to work at one company. I wanted to know the people. I wanted to make that one place better. I was tired of being jostled around and meeting all these new people. It was exhausting to me. And I feel like a couple of years ago, I said, I had this shift of, I want to lead more people. I want to impact as many people as I possibly can. And the way I look at it is you can't do that just working at one organization. So that is honestly why I went back to the, I want to take on as many clients as I possibly can approach to things, whether that's through my consulting services or just training, you know you know you're a trainer we get to we get to train hundreds of people from hundreds of different thousands of different companies and think about how many people were influencing that way and that's what like gives me chills about what we do because you could never do that working for one company yes you might be able to make a great impact on that organization um, but to me i again i I wasn't looking for good i was looking for great so how can i expand my reach even more
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, and in training for ethics, what are some of the, the the big hot buttons that you see at organizations? Why do organizations fail to behave ethically?
1: Oh my goodness, what a good question. Uh, I always tell people that ethics is their number one risk at their organization uh, underlying, and here's how I, here is why I talk about this. I recently in a lot of my ethics presentations have made the distinction between ethics and fraud. And Mm -hmm. I say that every fraud at an organization is unethical. I don't think anybody would question that statement. If you have a fraud that's happened, it's it's unethical, but not all unethical behavior is fraud. So it doesn't go the other Mm -hmm. way. Unethical behavior can start small at an organization Um, And it may not be fraud. It may not be fraudulent, but that's the root cause. That's what I see as the seed at organizations that are leading them to show up on the front page of the paper. So, you know, I spend a lot of my days teaching and training internal auditors how to audit culture, that hot topic that everybody wanted us to do, but nobody told us how to do Mm -hmm. years ago. Uh, And I, I literally just published a course assessing and auditing ethics and fraud red flags. Why? Because that's the number one risk to our organizations. Uh, So I know I didn't exactly answer your question on specifically what's the cause. But the point is, it can be very small things, unethical things that Mm -hmm. lead uh, to that. I also think number one is is companies are putting victories over their values. You know, they are putting profits over their purpose, Uh, you know, Ethics and technology is the number one issue in technology still today. It's not AI. It's not virtual reality. It's not quantum computing. It's not big data. It's things like data privacy and data security and it's ethics. And so, you know, I just don't think people think about ethics as broad as it really is at your organization and how it can be the underlying cause of a lot of problems. So,
0: well, you know, Here's here's one thing I think about hearing stories from various people. And um, I've heard something similar from you. Organizations need to be ethical. I think no one will dispute that. But most people who have stories about horrible times in organizations, it's not necessarily the organization's ethics. It's a few people within the organization. Now. Can you talk about that? Because that it's an observation that I have, but it's very confusing because I don't understand it.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, an organization has values, right? They have value statements. And and I hope uh, that that ethics or integrity is one of those value statements. But an organization doesn't live and breathe those value statements. The people within the organization do. Uh, And the only way those values come to life is by the people. So, you know, this is my selfish plug for the reason I wrote my ethics book and it's called becoming the everyday ethicist is because there's, I think three big parts to being ethical and it's the three sections of this book. Number one, and first and foremost is personal ethics. It comes down to our values, our beliefs. Second part of the book is all about leadership ethics. Because I think we're all leaders, right? Whether we're leading people or not, whether we know it or not, uh, we're influencing other people in the way we, we behave each and every day. I'm a leader to my son. You know, it, it, it's everyone, anyone around you. Um, and so that's part two. And then part three is organizational ethics. You know, there's, there's mm-hmm. five chapters in this book about how organizations can get better about it. But guess what? The reason that's after personal ethics and leadership ethics is because you have to have those in place first. And this is why I harp on uh, when I'm when I'm consulting on culture. First thing I start talking about and digging into is how are you interviewing your employees, your your potential employees, because that's where it starts. The people is is where it starts. Are you asking what their personal value statement is? They better have one, and you it better match your organization. But people aren't asking those questions, and I think you know to your point, it, it's those people at the organizations. That's that is the true reason they're failing. Uh, in my ethics training, I talk about this concept of of the big me out there today. I call it, those are the bad apples. Uh, out there. And I pick on a lot of organizations that have been in the news that have these big me leaders. They're all about themselves. It's that, that pride and that prestige and that ego. Uh, And, and so, you know, that's what we need to be looking out for. Uh, My second character choice that I say we need to look out for are the rationalizers. So you'll probably, you'd probably like Mm. that one. That's where most people live. There's not that many, thank goodness, bad apples, but the rest of us Rationalize ethical behavior. Um, And so, the whole purpose of this is how we can, at those three levels, uh, stop doing that and become an everyday ethicist where our values are matching our actions. Our actions are matching our values. So,
0: yeah, and that explains why, even if it's a good organization at the top, you can have some people with some bad personal ethical values and they will ruin it for everyone else.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It is unfortunate that um, we have organizations that exist that allow that to happen. Why do you think we remain silent? Why do you think we just, you know, go along with this behavior?
1: Well, I think we all know uh, the term whistleblower. Obviously, is still a negative con- context, unfortunately. And I think, um, you know, the the dedication in this book you'll like this this book is dedicated to every whistleblower and tattletale out there thanks for speaking up ethics do matter character matters uh because i think it's it's hard to speak up it it is it's not the easy thing to do and it takes a lot of courage and i think that uh being a whistleblower has come with some negativity over the years in fact i I am very good friends. Uh, I have a dear friend who's going through it still today and still needs that push to and that reminder to keep speaking up and, and letting her voice be heard. But you know, I think that's why. I think it, it's still a scary place to be and a lot of people uh, need to learn that courage and have that grit uh, to speak up. I always ask people to develop an ethical mantra at the end of, of my ethics mm-hmm. training and I give them this one as an example always speak the truth, even if your voice shakes. And that one as an auditor, especially because how many meetings have we gone into where it's hard to speak the truth. Um, But but I think, you know, really building that value, and then matching your actions to it is how we're going to get there. But it's hard. I'm not going to pretend like this is an easy, easy thing or an easy topic.
0: Yeah, it's not. And so you, you go from the corporate workforce, climbing the corporate ladder, you see some things you don't like, and you say, I want to do something different. I want to make a difference in the world. Now, when that transition happened, what were some of the things that you experienced that you never thought you would experience, both good and bad?
1: Um, I think the positive experience. Is that, you know, working with even people like yourself, I didn't realize when you're out on your own, um, I guess the bad, let's start with the bad. Let's get the bad out of the way. You're by yourself. (laughs) You're all by yourself. I'm in my office by myself every day. I miss my team. I miss that. And that does, um, that does weigh on you. And even in this virtual environment, of course, we're all feeling that even more. And that's just not me anymore. You know, this is everybody. Um, So I'd say that's that's the number one. I think I didn't realize immediately I had to build my own team again. And I had to figure out how to replace those people that I just constantly, um, you know, bounced ideas off. And so I think the best thing and best piece of advice I got and best learning to me was surround yourself with people who are going to bring you up no matter what, who are like minded, uh, professional um, just supportive people. I think I didn't realize, I thought it was kind of going to be a cutthroat competitive environment for us as trainers and entrepreneurs. And, and I think I've just been in awe of so much of the support that I've gotten from, um, like you and and Kelly Paxton, I know is going to be a guest on your podcast. Um, just so many individuals that, um, that are there for you still, you can build your own team. It just looks a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, and what's great to me is it's a team of peers. You know, there's no subordinate leader roles. And and I learned really quick when I went out on my own that if anybody was going to treat me like that uh, as as I was beneath them, or um, I, I had the ability to remove that. Again, it's all about the choices we can make. And I've never felt so powerful in my career uh, being on my own because I don't, I can say no. I don't have to work with those individuals uh, that I know degrade me or, or, um, you know, say something that I don't like, I I can choose to remove them. And that's been just the most powerful thing to me as uh, being an entrepreneur. So
0: when I think that part is very important, because in corporate America, you can't necessarily remove yourself from people who are just bad people, you're forced to work with them uh, any particular experience or stories you want to tell related to that?
1: Um, well, I have, I guess, let's, let's, can we, can we still pick on kind of one person I'd say that impacted my career? Um, you know, in corporate America, you obviously encounter lots of different individuals and you have to deal with different personalities and and characteristics and, you know, I knew that. And being a female, I think, um, was eye-opening to me in several instances. And one of the experiences that I had uh, was where actually a gentleman was in an elevator with me. And uh, he said, basically kind of came on to me and and said, you know, I thought you were married. And he kind of pointed my finger and I said, no. And uh, he said, if you keep wearing that skirt, you know, we could change that, you know, and I was I was kind of like, so taken aback, because at this point, you're a professional, you know, you, you've been working on your career, and all of a sudden, you you felt like you were in high school again, or it just kind of took me back. Uh, it affected me so much that I went in and I, I talked to my boss uh, about it. And um, her response to me was, Oh, he just thought you were cute. No big deal, you know, move on, basically. And, I think, again, that was another one of my aha moments where I don't have to be OK with that. You know, no, number one, my response would be way different if someone came to me with an issue like that. I do an entire mm-hmm. training on our responsibility, uh, not only as, as leaders, but female leaders. You know, I, I teach and train female leaders on what is our ethical responsibility to, again, pay attention to what's going around, on around us um, and help others through bad situations like that. Um, but you know, again, I think, um, these are those things that you don't think are happening in corporate America anymore, but they still are. This was, you know, just a really a few years ago, a handful of years ago that this happened to me. Uh, and in my presentation, I actually did a survey. I did a poll on LinkedIn to see how many other women have, have had experiences like this. And you would be amazed at the influx of experiences. So again, I know this, this breaches into a whole nother topic, you know, sexual harassment, gender discrimination. We don't want to get into that, but when it comes down to it, for me, it's ethics and its values and right. it's being comfortable. And it, you know, to, it still, no matter what issue you faced, I bet you can come up with some, you know, ethical grounding in that where if it didn't feel good to you, it was something against your own values and just to be able to say, I, I want to step away from that. Um, and that's, you know, that's just my one corporate America experience, uh, to say, you know, I, I no longer feel comfortable getting into an elevator with a male alone. And and so this has nothing to do with again, my company or, or any of that, but, uh, just to be able to say, I'm going to remove myself from this situation. So I'm not uncomfortable anymore, uh, was again, powerful for me.
0: Yeah, and and I can completely understand that. I talked to uh, one person who described the experience that, that they faced that kind of had them make the move as now experiencing PTSD to a certain extent. And I get it, you experience something horrible and you you have that angst, a tightening of the chest whenever you're in a situation that's similar to it. And this is from an environment that you never expected it to come from. Mm-hmm. And right. when you take a lot of people's cumulative experiences, it does shape you into a different person and kind of moves you into a different space. It moves you from... Here I'm working at this company. Now I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to advocate for certain causes so that what happened to me won't happen to anyone else. Um, I see you shaking your head. Yeah. yeah, it's-
1: Well, you're talking about what I teach because I, I try to get everybody from that PTSD mindset to mm-hmm. a PTG, a post-traumatic growth. How can we get all get past these? You know, I in my ethics and female leadership, I do talk about what's happened to all of us but the, mm-hmm. the most of the presentation is about what can we do about it, right. right? How can we go forward and make sure this stops happening? And again, even if it's just influencing one person or, you know, whoever's on your team, how can we little bits at a time, you know, have that post-traumatic growth? Let's learn from it. And one of the big steps in that is advocating for others. It's joining causes and, and doing things and speaking out against it. So I think that, um, yeah, you know... Uh, and that's the positive piece of it. You know, you're growing from that experience and, uh, it's the way to put a positive spin on anything that's happened in your life.
0: Let's talk about one last positive thing before we get ready to shift out. Let's talk about the freedom and flexibility that you have, because I'm sure you have a lot more freedom and flexibility in your life and you're happy about that.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say, at first it's kind of scary because you think you have to work all the time when you when you quit right we've talked about this sometimes you work way harder way harder than you ever did in corporate america uh why because you see the benefits from it more and so it makes you want to work more and more but i think for me being in year three of being an entrepreneur i've learned um that i can definitely more easily set my boundaries you know my son's in elementary school I never thought I was going to get to be a stay-at-home mom ever, uh, and I would say I'm definitely not that now, but I have such m- more time to spend with him. I could do virtual school from March to October of 2020, uh, whereas a lot of people couldn't do that, and I you know, I fully recognize I was very lucky in that situation, um, and now I can pick him up from school at 235. You know, and I don't have to pay for before and after care anymore. So, you know, I know those are all personal, but to me, that work life balance is so much is so important. You know, I'm not going to have a nine year old forever, uh, and so I, I love that the last three years I've been able to spend more time with him than I ever thought possible. Maybe I'm still working, you know, while I'm doing that, but uh, you know, he's still he's still around, and I'm able to spend more time with my family. So that's number one benefit, um, and I. I also train on habits a lot and I, you know, the one habit I I preach about is the unschedule. Unschedule some time on your calendar and I feel like I've gotten so much better about that. You know, we're not commuting now. So unschedule that hour you would be commuting and yeah. take that time to read the newsletters you never read in your email inbox or you know, catch up on what's happening in current events, because I I think that's just number one, what we should all be focusing on right now. And and so building those habits in your schedule, I love the freedom and flexibility to do that kind of stuff.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you for talking to us about ethics, values, morals, and everything good in the world. Now tell the folks, where can they find you, your books, your programs, anything that is Joe?
1: Oh, right um you can find me mainly on my website which is audit consultingeducation.com. Uh, i have pretty much everything out there my books are out there they're also on amazon uh, i've got three books uh, my audit book is called total quality auditing it's all about how total quality management principles can be built in what we do as internal auditors so it's a trademarked approach that i published a couple years ago 2019. And then um, personally, personal book uh, just republished in 2021 uh, is called Your Road, Your Choices. The first title is Our Choices on the Road of Life. This, I would say, really sparked my interest in ethics. It's got an entire chapter on our character choices. And um, so that's what kind of led me down my path for the third book, which I already plugged already, the ethics book. This was published late in 2020. So that's my COVID baby. That's what I call my, my pandemic book. Um, but all of those are on my website and LinkedIn, right? I mean, that's, that's my favorite platform. Uh, I know it is yours as well. Connect with me. If we're not connected, I'd love to meet you uh, and uh, talk about anything from ethics to audit to, to any topic, so.
0: All right. Well, thank you for a great show. Thank you for listening to the Corporate Quitters podcast. If you like us, tell everybody, you know, better yet, head on over to the iTunes store and leave us a five star review. It only takes a few seconds. I can do it with my eyes closed and both hands tied behind my back. So what are you waiting for? If you want to talk to us, leave us a voice message. You might be featured on the show. Check the link in the show notes. Want to carry us wherever you go? Check out the merch on our website. Get your I Quit, O Quit, or Just Plain Quit stuff there. If you really, really like us, you can become a monthly contributor for less than a cup of coffee. Link is in the show notes. And last but not least, quit those limiting beliefs that are holding you back. And we're out.